through two decades, 17 classic albums, countless unforgettable concert triumphs. They changed the face of British rock music forever. And the best part is, they're back. Final tap, get out there, you're on! Now, they're on the verge of the greatest comeback of all time. Rock and roll! This is their moment. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 46. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1984 movie, This is Spinal Tap. So Charles, tell us about Tap. Sure. The movie is a mockumentary about an 80s hair metal band called Spinal Tap as they try to release a new album and go touring across the United States. And as the documentary is being made, band seems to gradually fall apart and become less and less successful as they try to tour across America, or at least they realize they aren't as popular as they thought, and eventually leads to the band kind of falling apart and the manager leaves and like one of the band members gets fed up and quits, but then they discover that they're big in Japan, and so they get back together and have some success across the ocean. Yeah. This was one. Uh, this was a collective decision to to watch this movie because it was screening at several theaters apparently on eleven eleven at eleven o'clock because of the amps go to eleven joke, which I was surprised I had to explain that to someone. Like someone asked what movie we were doing this week, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing Spinal Tap because it's eleven eleven and all this stuff," and they just like didn't like, comprehend yes, that what? at all. Like I thought that <laughs> reference was universal; <laughs> everyone understood that joke. Apparently not. So the I also had to explain it. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that is stunning to me. Yeah. Like, okay, so now I feel like we have to explain it to listeners because there are people that don't watch the movie before they listen to the episodes. But the the joke is that the guitar player in the band has amps that go up to eleven on the volume rather than ten because eleven is one more. Yeah. Even though they can just make the ten louder, and that's like the big joke from Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. Well, the joke is he doesn't understand. And he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. get why. It's arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. to 11, and that's a meaningless, you know, yeah. number. So that joke has, has stuck around enough that there are now screenings of this movie on the 11th month, day of the 11th month of the year. Um, so we saw it at Metrograph at 11 p.m. It was also screening at Alamo and somewhere else. But we all saw it together in the theater, um, mm-hmm. which was cool. Right? Good, good comedy setting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially more people who had seen it. Weird, which clearly there were. Like, yeah. Yeah. There were, there were people in like full metal outfits. Yes. And, you know, you could tell people were really getting into the music. It's really fun that Yeah. Like, it, it, it was clearly a crowd that had seen the movie several times before. Yeah. Uh, Crossman, you had a, a special garment, right? Yeah. I had a green skeleton t shirt, which this, Ni- one of the characters, Nigel, wears for a pretty good portion of the film. Right. <laughs> really? It's uh, just something he sleeps in, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which most people didn't hear in the theater because they laughed at what he said before that. Right, he had said that the shirt is uh, an exact copy of his insides. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's including only the greenness green. of it, including the green. Then <laughs> he like has They're, to walk that back throughout the rest <laughs> of the conversation. Yeah, and then as a throwaway line, he just he says, "Well, it's it's just something I sleep in." <laughs> it's just something I sleep. In. Yeah, right. which is funny. I think it's one of the last lines in the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although during credits scene. Yeah, yeah. Although my favorite line in the movie is probably the last line in the film when he's asking him about what he would do if he wasn't a rock star and he's like mm-hmm. oh I would go into sales I would like work retail and he like <laughs> mimes this whole thing about like selling shoes to Rob Reiner and the very and Rob Reiner asks him like is that something you could see yourself happy doing being happy doing and the guy says well 
what are the hours? <laughs> that's his question. <laughs> that's what the movie ends on. And that's that's my favorite joke in the movie, I think. That cracks me up. Um, but before we dig in too deep to favorite jokes, like, how'd you feel about this movie, Charles? Did you like it? Um, yeah, I thought it was yeah. great. It was very funny. Um, I was a little worried that I might randomly not be into the style of humor, but I was definitely into it. Okay. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I'm into this kind of music, and so I know a lot of the stuff they're making fun of. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was fun to see. I, I guess I've kind of absorbed some of the jokes through just playing Guitar Hero and Rock Band because right. they lean on those a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rock Band just stole a bunch of the jokes from. Yeah, basically. Well, and they have a spinal. spinal they have a Spinal Tap song in the first Guitar Hero game. Guitar Hero Two yeah. has it. It was I a look, two. I looked it okay. up. Okay. Yeah, they have the tonight. I'm gonna rock you tonight. Yeah. In that one. Um, yeah. Just yeah. a lot of fun, very funny. Yeah, and this is it's just one of those movies. So it's just a blast all the way through. I mean, it's a short movie, but it feels shorter just because it yeah. moves along and it's just like joke after joke after joke. I think one of the lines in it was that there's a very fine line between stupid, stupid and clever. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was a perfect description of this movie because yeah. the jokes, like, they're kind of dumb, but they're done in such a clever and self-aware way. Right. I think yeah. they're... I think the reason they work is the characters are so sincere. Yeah. Like, yeah. the characters are played so well that they actually seem that dumb. Yeah. And that's why it's funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it like seems the, plausible that they're so unaware. Yeah. yeah. And that's just it. Like, they, they come at it, like, just with this giant open heart about how much they love doing what they're doing, but also oblivious to how it appears to others. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. Uh Crespin, you've brought up this movie a few times before, and it seems like this one's pretty dear to you. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, yeah, I love this film. I mean, he's got a shirt, right? You got the shirt, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I got the shirt for Halloween, but... Uh, <laughs> this Halloween? No, I've, I've uh, worn on Halloween for a few years in a row now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do, you, do you have, like, the rest of the costume, or you just wear no. a shirt? And I'll just, I tell people that this is what I sleep in. But the rest of the costume is just a pair of jeans, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you gotta get the, the hair, I get, maybe okay, a fake okay. guitar. Sure, uh-huh. sure. No, I don't put that much effort in there. <laughs> no, I would be surprised. Yeah. Um, it's hilarious. And yeah. I I, th- I think it's so well done. Like, it's very convincingly done. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. To the point where uh, I've heard stories of people thinking that, like, Spinal Tap is a real band. Right. Well, because yeah. they, they yeah. write real songs and they play them. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Because like, they have real music. <laughs> it's like they're, they're good hair metal songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the... Uh, and we can get into that. Like the music in this movie is like actually good, and it's all music that was like created for yeah. the film, which is incredible. Right. Well, they're both good yeah. and also parodying how hair metal songs go. Right. Which is yeah. kind of the story of hair metal, right? Like it's just it, this yeah. thing that it, eventually it's outrageous. Yeah. Well, it's outrageous and becomes self-parody almost yeah. immediately after it's created. <laughs> like, yeah. But there, there are like fourteen songs created for yeah. this movie, and all of which are like. Legit songs, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I, I mean, know. they're absurd because they're like hair metal songs, but they're meant to be that, right? Yeah. I mean, like, what's really the difference between "Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight" and like "Pick a Poison" song, right? Like, is there anything substantial? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like, what's the major difference between those things? Not, not that much. Or like anything by Alice Cooper, right? Right, because that's who they're. Yeah. Most closely mocking yeah. is Alice Cooper. Yeah, that's in, true. In the style and like the way that they do the sets and stuff like that. Right, and Alice Cooper is now a radio DJ. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's born again too. I did not know that. Yeah, he he got like really religious and kind of like he still like does uh, tours and stuff like that, but he huh. stopped like hanging. Like he used to like <laughs> commits like his thing was that he would like pretend to like die on stage at the, at the end of every show. 
and he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> he doesn't so, die and then rise again. Yeah, but he's been like uh, like guillotined and wow, uh, like blown up and all, all sorts of things. And, yeah. <laughs> so I guess um, but he's in, in these like very elaborate like theatrical sets, like, right? Which they they also parody many times. Yeah. in this movie, like there's at least a good what two or three jokes about the sets being some of the best or jokes in the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the Stonehenge. Stone Stonehenge is like maybe the funniest thing in the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that your favorite joke? I think it's so funny just that like because of how dumb the characters are, yeah. it results in them being like embarrassed on stage, and yeah. then they get mad at the manager for it. <laughs> my, yeah. my my favorite part of that joke is when they have like the big long argument about Stonehenge and whose fault it is, and like why they screwed it up, and then at the very end, the Derek Smalls says, "Now, just a practical question." We're not doing Stonehenge tomorrow <laughs> yeah. night. <laughs> it's, it's like, obviously, they're not. And like that, that yeah. cracked me up. That's Christopher Guest, right? No, Christopher Guest is um, Nigel. Nigel, okay. He's the guitar player. Because yeah. the bassist is in the movie, the sort of like thematic sequels to this film. Or the, 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 yeah, there's, yeah, because Christopher sequels? Guest, yeah, not sequels, but Christopher Guest ended up doing several music mockumentaries okay. like this. One, no, one, they're, they're not always music. Some um, old written, that's true. But a Mighty Wind are. is a, like yes. a folk version of this. Yes. Um, but that's like the least good of them, actually. There's the, um, Best in Show. Best in Show, which is excellent. It yes. might actually be funnier than yeah. Final Yeah, it's not um, as famous, and it's more recent. Um, but yeah, that movie's great. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's really good. Um, and then they did Waiting for Guffman, which is yes. about like a uh, community theater group. Yeah, which is particularly funny to me because I was involved in community theater when I was mm. in my small town back in Wisconsin. Yeah. And that is spot on. In <laughs> <laughs> the same way that you'll see people that were actually involved in like touring rock bands in the 80s watch this movie and just be like, yes, this is point for point my experience. Um, you know, yeah, Metallica, correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, but they, they released they have a black album, they have a black album, and they said that that tour was actually like quite disastrous for them. I don't and, remember like, paralleled I didn't some of the read about the their tour for that one, yeah. it was actually their <clears throat> most successful album, yeah, really. Yeah, like that's when they hit mainstream success is when they released the Black Album when in the that? 90s. And then all their like quote unquote true fans said they sold out because <laughs> they got less heavy well, in the 90s, whatever. right? Um, but it came out in like 1990. Um, yeah. It's not totally flat black. It still had like, you know, the slight like image of a snake on it and their logo on the top right. left. Um, but it is mostly black. So it predates Jay-Z's Black Album. Yeah. If it's early 90s, so yeah. I didn't even I did not know that Metallica had a had a black album. It's where it's when Inter Sandman's on and their most popular song. That song's hilarious. I'm pretty sure it's their most popular song. That's their funniest song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get a kick out of that song. Um and then multiple rockers have said that they've gotten lost backstage at oh, really? shows, which is like another <laughs> great joke where they right. they're in Cleveland and they're ready to like Go, go to the stage yeah. and they just get lost in this like labyrinth behind. When they run stage. into the same maintenance guy like 30 seconds after yeah, they leave. Yeah. Yeah. And he gives them like these cryptic directions <laughs> yes. that make no sense. You have to like jog left 30 feet or something. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. forget if that guy was a famous musician or not. I have um, no idea. I didn't I think he, he might be, but I could be I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't I didn't yeah. check. Um but yeah, so they 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 they've done like four or five of these films yeah. since. Rob Reiner I don't think was involved in any of the Sequels, I don't but believe so. Chris, Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy, who appears briefly mm -hmm. in this film as uh, Air Force Commander. Oh yeah, that uh, is him, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> he he like co-wrote and co-directed 
uh, the all the other. But wasn't films. that Fred Willard? Oh yeah, yeah, that is that is Fred Willard. Um, Eugene Levy, I guess, is not in this, but okay. he, he's in all the others. Yeah, okay. he's like a main character in um, Best in Show. Okay, but yeah, that, yeah. that Air Force commander guy was, was yeah, funny. that's Fred like, Willard. Okay, like yeah. that, his brief appearance was memorable. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. also appears in most of the? I think Fred Willard is actually in all the other ones yeah, as well. Yeah, there were a couple notable people here. Fran Drescher was in this. Fran Drescher for yeah. a little while. Yep. Um, it's funny because I don't really know what she looks like, but I could guess it was her because of her voice. Yeah, and you can tell she's not like playing it up as much as she does in the nanny. But it was still there. Like it was still. Yeah, she didn't but, try to hide it. Or yeah, the Fran Drescher sound. It's a signature, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and apparently the um, mime that serves food towards the beginning of the movie is Billy Crystal. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that this time around. Yeah, I did not notice. That. I had I to look it up. it up after. Yeah, on the big screen, it's like, oh, it's yeah, no, I missed yeah. it. I, I just I saw the mime joke and there's paint on their faces. I didn't recognize. <laughs> yeah, it. no, I, I yeah, I totally missed it. But I was looking at IMDb and it said that Billy Crystal was in, it. and I was like, where the hell is Billy Crystal in this movie? No, I saw it in the credits after the movie was over. Oh, really? Like, what? Yeah, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there's a there's a few people, and then of course Rob Reiner. This was his first um, directorial effort, uh, his first feature. Yeah, a lot and of people were like pretty famous after this. Yeah, film. It was, it, it was it. Yeah, it was, yeah, and this must have been another one, super cheap to make. That I'm sure made its money back. Yeah, they um, they definitely shot mostly in Los Angeles. Uh, okay, because well, like yeah, they're not going to travel all <laughs> over the country. Yeah, because uh, the record building that they're in at the beginning, which is like in Detroit, uh, right, is not. It's like a, that's a famous building oh, in LA. Okay. <laughs> it, it has these like four columns, and it's like this mirrored glass. Okay, it's, it's a hotel in LA. Yeah, I've never been to LA. Yeah, <laughs> but when I saw it, I was like. Wait a minute. Uh, they're just shooting around LA for this. Can't fool okay. you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. makes sense because they're mostly like indoors and theaters. So like they don't uh, need to actually go to Cleveland and just pretend yeah, the state is some other theater. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, this movie really kind of created the format, right? Like the there would be no office without this movie. There there were mockumentaries before this film. Right, but this one was well, like the big this one. This one did it. But mm-hmm. most notably, uh, a hard day's night. Yeah, the Beatles film is is kind of a mockumentary. Um, well, I never yeah. saw that one. I didn't realize. Yeah, which yeah. thematically actually fits well with this movie because like what happens to the band like kind of parallels <laughs> what happened to the Beatles. Yeah, the, the difference uh, of the, course the, is the Beatles scenes crack me up. Yeah, yeah, the Beatles are a real band though, so yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the major difference. And yeah. a good band, yeah. uh, so it kind of cuts differently there. But um, the, I mean, in terms of creating the documentary or mockumentary form and like. Treating it as something that is a satire and a comedy, and yeah, and all this that. one kind of puts it on the map. Yeah, like, like it, it makes yeah. it a real thing, and, and now it's everywhere. Right? Yeah, like this is how sitcoms are made. Now, yeah, in a lot of ways, or at least in the early two thousands, how sitcoms were made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, Charles, did you have a? We, we've talked about our favorite jokes. Did you have a favorite joke? Um, I'm having a hard time picking just one. I remember laughing a lot at many jokes, but I can't just list them all off and then pick one. Um, I liked the the thin line between stupid and clever <laughs> yeah. that I brought up before. Uh, I liked the shit sandwich review joke. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing that consistently amused me... I forgot about that one. Yeah. One thing that consistently amused me throughout the whole movie was whenever Rob Reiner showed up. Yeah. Because, well, first of all, he's got the same, like, Navy hat. The whole time. Um, the entire time. But he's also got this, like such an earnest and serious look on his face yeah. um, that just cracks me up right. Well, it's so, so contrary to what the actual project is, right? Right. It just, <laughs> it, he looks like so into it. Right. And, and so sincere. Well, yeah, he plays a straight man too. Yeah. 
like the goofiness of what's of yeah but the movie's cap, so right? goofy that it's like funny to have a straight man i guess right or they have a guy that's like taking these people seriously yeah he's just cap. taking them completely seriously the yeah. entire time and that cracked yeah. me up a lot yeah the Speaking of Rob Reiner, like when he's playing straight man, like I think maybe his best moment as playing straight man is when uh, the Nightville character is playing piano, right? And I had just thought of that moment even yeah. before you mentioned that because that 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 might be my favorite. That movie. that is a close second for me too, where he yeah. is playing the pretty song on the piano and Rob he's playing this like, beautifully like sad he, song, right? Like, and he's playing, playing it minor. for real, too. yeah, and yeah. actually playing. He's it. playing it for real, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Rob Ryan's talking about, oh, that's a big departure, and like what, how, what inspires this, and he's talking about how it's in D minor, which he finds to be the saddest key and all this. And finally, like they talk about it for a couple minutes, and Rob Reiner asks him, like, all right, well, what do you call this piece? He says, oh, this is called uh, Lick My Love Pump. Yeah. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> yeah, that got me good. That, that might be it's such a job. long setup for like yep. such, just a crude, yep. dirty joke. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's kind of perfect. The movie does a lot of those. Yes. It's very it's, British in that way. It's very British, and it's it definitely like mocks the like sexualization of, yeah. of uh, rock a right. lot. Right. A lot. It yeah. points to how like silly it is. Yeah. I mean, the other one is when the Derek Smalls is uh, going through the airport scanner, mm-hmm. and it turns out that the reason that it keeps going off is because he has like a cucumber wrapped in tin foil in his pants. Yeah, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> or, to, like, they never show it, but their album cover is yeah. uh, a, a woman who's like in bondage essentially, and she's being forced to smell a glove. It's described yeah. by Fran Drescher. Yeah. Yeah, and in, they're like, well, "What's wrong with that?" <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're like, "Yeah, so." Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, they're pushing the envelope. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it does that a lot, and then, then even like in the way it's shot, there's so many shots of like just their crotch, right? Like this, or just their butt, or just their butts <laughs> shaking around upstage. Yeah. Perfect for when they're performing big bottoms. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, the songs themselves, like when they go to the Air Force sex farm. Yeah, and play something called Sex Farm, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so it's like mocking the sexuality of it just in terms of like how aggressively and like pointlessly sexualized hair metal often is but also the absurdity of it like it's sexualized in this way that doesn't make sense yeah and like that that works really well yeah I mean, it's yeah there's no maturity to it nope. and that's what they're that's, that's, but they're these adult men who are like children essentially right so. well, there's no maturity to it but metal is also this at least my impression of metal not being i'm an outsider i don't really like metal that much yeah but my impression of metal is that it's this genre that takes itself really seriously a lot of the time which makes it kind of ripe for this kind of skewering right because they're singing all these songs about you know like demons and you know summoning satan or whatever and <laughs> they're doing like ridiculous bullshit the whole time like it, it is it's kind of begging for this kind of treatment right and it i'm kind not of sure it. if power metal takes itself seriously okay but I mean, I, i'm not going to be able to parse yeah, all I'm the little sure. genres that metal power, power metal is not a little genre i would say okay. but, uh, it, it's it's kind of silly to me sometimes that's like kind of the reason that like these bands are endearing though like yes. they do take it seriously yeah um like Coheed and Cambria comes to mind where they like I cannot stand that band their songs are all just like sci-fi stories where they're like racing spaceships and like right they're like in a future war and like dodging snipers and, yeah, and they not, sound but some completely awesome. seriously yeah, but the, it's like a prog metal band they sound but, they're, uh, 
it is unlistenable to me. Yeah. Like they sound so. Really? Awful. I, I don't mind Coheed. Oh, like I cannot. All. There's but one I, song I, in rock I band, like, and I like that one. I like, oh, I hated uh, that song. I like uh, prog rock though. So okay. Okay. Yeah. no, I, it's intolerable for me. Like when I think of bands that I hate, like that is near the top of the list. Really? <laughs> yeah, I cannot stand them. No, I find them listenable. Um, yeah. it, it, but since but I think it's one of the like only types of metal that I can wow. listen to. Okay. Because hmm. otherwise. Um, not like, into it. Well, new metal's garbage. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's a, the universal yeah. opinion. And then, like, classic metal kind of sounds the same to me. But Yeah. I mean, I can, like, even Zeppelin, and I like Zeppelin to, you know, I, I appreciate Zeppelin. Even they do the same thing, right? Like, a lot of their songs are about Lord of the Rings. A lot of them. Yeah. Coheed's inspired a lot by Zeppelin. Or, like, Norse yeah. mythology. I mean, yeah. yeah. Immigrant Song is actually a Norse song right which is why it was fitting in thor yeah well and that it's that moves about immigration and colonialism so it made a lot of sense yeah. in a lot of ways um but yeah i loved it there like in thor immigrant song was a, a great choice but I, I, like they're doing the same thing like they take themselves super seriously they're writing about stairways to heaven and all this and it's also you know kind of silly <laughs> yeah there's symbols for each band member <laughs> right exactly uh based on like tolkien mythology wait they really I believe so. Okay. Or Norse mythology, but there there are symbols for like each band member. I, I could be wrong about okay, this. I believe I'm you. Pretty that, sure that there are. That sounds yeah. totally plausible to me. For yeah. Led Zeppelin, I didn't know that. I think. All right, I can double check, but yeah, we'll <laughs> but you're not actually going to double check. No, don't well, look it up. I don't fuck up yeah, don't look it up right now. But, um, but the the movie. I could be wrong, but I believe that there are symbols for I, each Led Zeppelin band. I believe you. <laughs> that sounds yeah. totally plausible to me. Yeah. Um. But this movie makes fun of that, right? Where they have the, um, where the, the Stonehenge thing. No, not the Stonehenge thing. Where the it, girl shows it is up. That, that oh yeah, that also. But okay. they have the girlfriend show up, mm -hmm. and she has made portraits for all of them based on their zodiac sign, and they have them all in like animal makeup and stuff. Yeah, making fun of Kiss most directly, right? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's also a reference to that Zeppelin thing that I'm just not learning about. Uh, but yeah, th that was another. The amusing part, and also poking fun at the Beatles a little bit that she's this mm -hmm. Yoko Ono yeah. figure. Yeah, she yeah she is Yoko throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although uh, you talk about metal taking itself seriously a lot, a lot, and I really don't think hair metal does at all. Okay, uh, maybe you're. I mean, you are no more about it than I do, so you might be right. I mean, just the impression I get, like hair metal, just seems very tongue in cheek. Okay, I hope so uh, because of how like overly sexual they are like you can tell they're trying to be kind of silly like like cracking dirty jokes basically right okay that kind of tone okay i can see that that's fair that's the feeling i, I get from hair metal specifically okay also i think particularly in the like mid 80s into like the early 90s like the satanic panic was like a real thing yeah. and i think these bands like really leaned into it sure. um and we see that later in the 90s with like marilyn manson um where he caused Columbine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like basketball diaries. Conservative, you know, politicians in the U.S. essentially like scared suburban moms and parents into like convincing them that their children were becoming Satanists because of the music they were listening to. <laughs> yeah. So the bands, like, when they realized that, like, leaned into it and were like, "Okay, hell yeah, we're we're like Satanists." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, know Slayer has a lot of that. Well, they're called Slayer too, yeah. right? Yeah, that, that helps. But I mean, doesn't yeah. that wasn't there a Satan worshiping thing that predates that? Like, like what, weren't there s bands that were associated with Satanism back in like the sixties and seventies? 
Yeah, I like mean, even rock, the, rock and roll's the, always been a target. Yeah, of, like, and, and like even the culture. the Stones in like a the Rolling Stones in like a almost sincere way mm-hmm. were exploring Satanism. But I, I think when it comes to hair metal, they're like leaning into right. it no. Yeah, I get that. Like, yeah, yeah. Look at how silly these people are. Right. So let's like embrace it and be. I, yeah, I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that you can you can compare. Or people have compared metal and punk a lot as like opposite sides of the same coin, and I think that mm-hmm. punk kind of doesn't do that. Like punk never got to the point where they they stopped taking themselves seriously. Like punk has always been, almost always been this thing that has this undercurrent of sincerity to it, and not just a, like oh we're having a fun time, but like this is real music that people are should be taking seriously and listening to. Yeah, I think punk you know believes itself to you know to be political and right. metal like never embrace its like politics right yeah yeah although when, yeah you are you are correct and i think that's yeah. probably the important distinction between the two yeah or that's like very broad strokes but yeah broadly true yeah <laughs> yeah uh so this was rob reiner's what we talked about earlier the first movie he directed and he was not a, he didn't do anything with christopher guest and company after this but he did a lot of other movies that were huge hits. A lot of uh, he did yeah. when, when Harry Met Sally, right? He did when Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did Princess Bride. Um, he's still working, and there's other. Yeah, now he's going to save us from Russia. Now he's going to save us from Russia. Yeah, he pointed this out the other day. Uh, say more. He is he's a Russia conspiracy theorist for the election. Yes. Um, so obviously there were real Russian connections, or mm-hmm. we think that there are, even though that there's no evidence for it. That that aside. <laughs> um, Reiner is one of these people that's convinced for sure that uh, Trump is a Manchurian candidate and and is aligned with a bunch of neocons and is looking to like investigate this. And he put together like a commercial for this uh, that Morgan Freeman did voiceover for. Right. And appeared on Bill Maher, right? Yeah. And they're doing an quote unquote independent investigation into <laughs> the Trump Russia connection. Well, if I'm looking for any credible source in my uh, journalism, it's it's certainly Rob it's Reiner. It's Rob Reiner, for yeah. sure. Yeah. He, has, he, he has this documentary experience. And a so. bunch of uh, <laughs> neocons that have no expertise in Russia or speak Russian. Why are the neocons going after the Russia story? I have no idea. Okay. I have well, no idea. Yeah, well, and, and Reiner's always been... Like, it might be, I'm purely speculating because I don't know enough about this, that these are like anti-Iranian people that see like an Iranian-Russian connection and now such are like willing to do this. It's a, it's a lot of steps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, but the whole it's, thing it's, is right, absurd. All, so like, right. you know, whatever lines you are drawing, I'm sure they have the like, you know, the classic conspiracy they theory the, board. They have the like, yarn on the Yeah, the, the yarn. Yeah. And like, there's like a yarn between a picture of Trump and a picture of Putin. It, all the way to Iran. Yeah. 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 And that's how the Ayatollah takes over America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Rob, Rob Reiner is, uses money for good things. Right. Uh, and well, and he's always been associated with, not always, but there's a chunk of his career where he was associated with Hollywood liberalism. He directed A Few Good Men, um, and yep. he directed An American President, uh, both written by uh, Sorkin. Uh, American President's okay. A Few Good Men, I think, is great. Like I think that movie's really, really good. Um, have you seen it? Good men? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen A Few Good Men? Nope. Nope? Okay. Is a few, wait, is A Few Good Men the Navy one? Where mm, yeah, it's, it's that's the you can't, Tom Cruise one? Yeah, that's a Tom Cruise, okay. Jack Nicholson one. That's the You Can't Handle the Truth movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have seen that. I was confusing it with um, the Cuba Gooding Jr. movie where he's like a diver. Carrie Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> <No. 
No, it's something like a few good men, though. It's like Men of Honor or something. Okay. Yeah, I believe you. I don't know. That might be it. That sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, A Few Good Men is a different movie, um, and Rob Reiner directed it, um, so I think he has some range, right? So he's doing this mockumentary to kick off his career. He did romantic comedy with When Harry Met Sally. He's done a courtroom thriller with A Few Good Men. All these are huge films, huge hits. So mm. all very competently directed, and directed by the same guy. Like that's that's not easy to do, right? Like to have that kind of dexterity. Um, in your filmmaking. A lot of films too where like not a lot really happens. Like these are yeah. all like pretty chatty films. Yeah. Like it, there's just a lot of like just characters talking like no action. And that's like a, that's one of the hard, hardest films to make is yeah, like right. to fill an hour and a half with dialogue Yeah, I mean, make it interesting. Th- uh, that's why when Sorkin was directing on TV for West Wing he would have his chatty conversations moving all the time. Right? Because if you just like have all these Sorkin lines sitting in a room together, like it becomes just it overwhelming. It makes it seem cool. The old Sorkin walk like, and talk. Right, exactly. There's a reason he did it, right? It's not just a stylistic thing, or maybe it is, but it's purposeful style. Um, and the purpose is that, yeah, you can't just have people sitting in a room and talking the whole time, and that's what these scripts are. It's just <laughs> page after page after page of, conference call. of dialogue. Yeah. This movie does a good job of being like, Joke dialogue scene, concert, joke dialogue yes. scene, concert. It's called joke. pacing. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, it does a great job of like intermixing the like sort of two modes of a film. Right. Well, and, yeah. and spicing up its jokes too, right? Because I think that there are the forms of British humor. Like you look at uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, right? Yeah. Like that's a really chatty movie, right? And most of the jokes are just about like absurd British jokes over and over and over again. And then the movie ends. And I think that this this movie does something different where it has jokes like that, like there's a fine line between stupid and clever, yeah. but it intersperses that with like the sight gags with the Stonehenge, and it intersperses that with like these joke songs and like all the, these different it's varieties. Very of ranging in its humor. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that helps the pacing, and I think that that just makes each joke hit harder because it's different every time, and it like keeps the the the. Yeah audience off balance. Right? The meta joke is like how unpopular they're becoming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they were like really drive that home with the Air Force right. base. Right. Uh, with Fred the Willard at the end. It, yeah. Although my favorite they're not that popular anymore uh, joke was right before that when they get to the county fair or whatever and they're looking at the billboard yeah. and, and she says no that happens after oh does it happen after yeah. okay well anyway that was my favorite moment there yeah. and, and she says oh i told them if i told them once i told them a thousand times put spinal tap then puppet show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that that one was pretty funny um so i think that yeah this movie was maybe even a little bit ahead of its time in that it like predicted the aging rocker right like these guys that aren't that popular anymore but are still trying to hold on to their youth and like that is the uh, yeah, they hadn't aged yet back then. Right, it's like the the arc of this movie. I right? mean, it must have been obvious though at the time, right? right. Where it's like, is you this going to last? You can see it coming, uh, right? Like everybody, time marches on. Yeah. Um, but that is essentially like if you want to talk about the thematics of what's going on with these characters and the arc of the characters, like that's what it is. It's a group of guys learning that they're old now, and <laughs> <laughs> and that they can only escape that by going to Japan. Apparently. Yeah, which parallels the experiences of a lot of rockers, apparently that. Yeah, you can go overseas and make a lot of money, particularly yeah. Japan, I, which has an appetite for American rock. I, the old American rock, I guess. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that yeah. cultural phenomenon at all. But yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Charles, you're a big fan of The Office, right? 
Yes, huge. It's my favorite show. Huge is your favorite I'm show. I'm rewatching it again right now. Really? As we speak. Yeah. Okay, how far along well, are you? Not as we speak, but no, not at, as the, at the moment. <laughs> You're I talking American Office, I assume. Yeah. Have I you have seen? not seen the UK Office. Okay. Do you have any desire to? A tiny bit. I not enough to actually watch yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to it. Okay, so, I mean, were you able to see the common DNA here? I didn't really think about it, actually. Really? Yeah. That was strange. I thought that would be, like, the first thing. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, I was too focused on the music, I guess. <clears throat> okay. Um, I mean, The Office is more focused on, like, you know, zooming out on people's reactions to awkward things happening. And <laughs> here, there was less of that because <laughs> you focused more on the people doing the awkward well, things. Everybody is sincere in this movie, right? Right, so. right. You don't have that many people who are outside of it who think what they're doing is weird. Like, yep. even Rob Reiner, he's outside of it, but he's, like, sincerely in what they're doing. Yeah, there's no Jim Helper character here. Right. So, yeah. I, I guess, now that you bring it up, it has the same, like, medium yeah, same formatting. Oh, yeah, the same yeah. medium, the same format, um, but it's not the same kind of tone or same style of humor, I guess. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it. although they, they have, I guess it shares DNA with the UK office because they're both like these British humor shows. But yeah, that's. I'm surprised that you didn't like yeah, make that yeah, connection I immediately because I know how much you I love the office. I feel a little surprised now too. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it speaks to the, the influence of the show because there's this show, there's Parks and Rec, which... It's just The Office. And then, of course, all of the various documentaries that have been made, yeah. you know, since this one. Um, but yeah, it was, I thought you'd be all over the, the Office connection. No. No? Okay. <laughs> the guy who played the band's manager is, yeah. is like a, sort of another straight man character. To an extent, uh, yeah. To an extent. He has yeah. this moment, which is great, where he has a uh, cricket bat, <laughs> and they get into, like, why he <laughs> keeps it with him. Right. And he says it's like, I forgot it's the word. Totemistic. Totemistic. Yeah. yeah. And then you see him. No, but like, she, the, who <laughs> was talking to him about that it? That was Rob Reiner. Okay. He, yeah. he said, the manager's like trying to come up with a word and, and uh, Rob Reiner says affectation. <laughs> yeah. And the no. manager just completely misses that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not it. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was pretty good. But then there's this montage of him like using <laughs> it for violence and he's destroying like shit. clears the table off and like destroys a TV and a phone. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. And again, just like the lack of awareness at play here, right? Like there's just so much that these characters yeah. like don't see. Right, He's still trying to argue yeah. for the band's decisions too. Like he has that long discussion about the album artwork with Fran Drescher. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There are there are those, and he um he seems like the most like real character in the movie almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and he eventually is kicked out, right? Like he and I, or he quits. He, He's he quits. Forced out, yeah, yeah. He's forced out by the the Yoko Ono equivalent. Yeah. yeah, but he gets back in at the end. He gets his like revenge on on the girlfriend. Right, because he finds them the, the deal in Japan. In Japan. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, that's like all the plot that this he, movie has. He had a yeah. pretty incredible story that he told on the Moth or some one of those NPR oh, really? story okay. shows, and he apparently <laughs> he was like very open about this. Uh, tried to kill himself right before filming started. Really? Uh, like the day before, and with pills and alcohol. And that usually does it. So he took a bunch of pills and alcohol and went to sleep. Assuming he would die. Right. Woke up the next day and <laughs> not knowing what else to do, yeah. went to set. <laughs> and, make the it movie? Was, and it was the like first day filming. Wow. And then it's this huge hit. Yeah. It yeah. was a monster hit and like I think helps launch his career or something. That's extraordinary. I yeah, did not know. Or that. like relaunch his career. Huh. So watching it Knowing that. Knowing that yeah. is is incredible because he he's 
amazing in it. He's <laughs> he's really good in the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Not wow. that the, he wouldn't be, but right. That, that's yeah. That, I didn't that really recontextualized. I was trying to it. figure out which scene it was because I it like was like it must you must be able to tell like which scene I can I couldn't put my finger on. Like it, what was the first one they shot? Yeah, like yeah. What what did he wake up and go <laughs> go do? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, jeez, wow, yeah, that that changes his, that performance. Yeah, I I'll see if I can dig it up and post it on the Facebook page. Yeah, but he he told the story on the moth or something. Huh. Like, yeah. yeah, that's something. Yeah. Uh, so we we saw this movie at Metrograph um, in the audience with other people, which you mentioned earlier. Crossman, you had never been to Metrograph before. I hadn't. Yeah, Charles and I had seen Searchers there, and yeah. I've been there many other times for various. I saw things. Terminator there. Did you? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> that's one. Oh yeah, that's when that lady that was the, the producer of Terminator complained. Two and Aliens was there, yeah. and she complained that their popcorn options were bad or something. Yeah, the popcorn was too fancy. She wanted regular movie theater popcorn. Yeah, I guess so. She, she's not wrong, having observed the popcorn choices. You, you're with her. I never had that. Uh, like it doesn't appear to be coming out of like a. No, know, it's just in a little plastic a, bin. Yeah, that you buy individually. Yeah, yeah. You had some, right? No, I had uh, Reese's Pieces. But, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's not like the coming out of the popcorn right. machine and then you put yeah. salt on it. Not like, traditional. It comes in a plastic. And it's not like... It's uh, small. It's small and small. it's, it's yeah. not like butter and salt. But it have like sea salt. Sea salt and olive oil. Sea salt and olive oil. <laughs> and uh, and um, the one I got was turmeric and cayenne. Okay. Right. So this is a... Uh, this is hipster popcorn. The, yeah. Well, it fits I, yeah, the theme of the theater. theater. Yes, it does. Her side of this point. Oh, yeah? yeah. That, I guess that doesn't really shock me. I don't have an opinion because I never buy popcorn at the theater. But... Uh, what? <laughs> I, Why? Okay, many reasons. Um, they sell you popcorn because they want to sell you a drink. Right? Sure. And if you buy the drink, you have to go to the bathroom during the movie, and then you start missing some of the movie. So I don't buy either. Okay. And it's super expensive. Super freaking expensive, and I don't want to pay for it. That's where theaters make their money. Yeah, I know, but whatever. <laughs> like that's not what I'm paying for. And like, I, there was an interview last year with Julia Pinoche, I want to say, one of the famous French actresses, and they were like asking various people that were up for Oscars last year, like, what do you do? What do you buy when you go to the theater? Yeah, and or what's your favorite snack? And like everyone's saying, like, oh, I like you know snow caps. I like M and M's, whatever. And <laughs> she's just like. I don't buy anything. It's just the movie. <laughs> That's it. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm with her. <laughs> well, you should support theaters by buying popcorn. I support theaters by going to movies a lot. They don't make any money on that. Okay. Well, nonetheless, that's, that's what All I want. All the studios got their profits on the ticket sales. I'm paying 17 bucks at this point for... Well, I'm not. Although there's enough people that's, buying that's the studios. snacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The movie pass is paying 17 bucks for... I mean, Metrograph has a bar and a restaurant attached. So that's I true. I did buy a drink. for that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so they made money off my my beverage, and they—that's making alcohol is like where you really make right, exactly. So they're establishment. they're doing fine. <laughs> um, yeah. But in any event, the <laughs> why I raised this uh, is that I the general consensus, and I think this is true, is that uh, seeing comedies in particular with groups is a different experience. Oh, for right. Sure. Yeah. Like, because I've, I've never seen this movie. Everything's funnier when there's other people exactly. around. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that was at play here. I, I've only seen this movie a couple times before, but it was both times just, you know, by myself at home. Um, and it was funnier this time. Like, it, it totally worked. Uh, if you, Crossman, you've seen this before. Have you seen it in a theater? Never seen it in a theater. Okay. Was it different? Yeah. You could see how, like, at least the version that we saw was, like, not in great shape. 
But yeah, it wasn't clear if it was like if it was in the movie. It looked like yeah, that. I had the same question. Some of it was, some of it wasn't. Like some of it looked like the film was like the degraded. introduction with Rob Reiner was yeah. like out of focus. Yeah, and well, and there was like a, a pretty severe, uh, I don't know, mark or something on the upper right hand side for a, a little while at the beginning of the movie that eventually I went away. I did not notice that. Actually. Okay, um, but yeah, they eventually figured it out. But this was clearly being projected on film. Yeah, pretty, pretty obviously. Uh, but in terms of like the ex- the experience of the jokes and watching the movie, like it's so that, much better with yeah, yeah. Uh, crowd, yeah, especially yeah. for a film that's like actually funny. Yeah, right. But in addition, for this film, it's nice to have the concert scenes in a the theater. That's a good point. The music's like very loud. Yeah, it, it was really loud. It was cranked up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they cranked it up to eleven for this. Uh, it felt like you were. It kind of felt like you were in a concert. Yeah, that's so yeah. That's that really a good point. enhances the experience there. Yeah, I I agree because. Yeah, most of the time when I go to the theater, I want to be the only person in the theater. <laughs> like that's my ideal movie-going experience. It almost never happens. But um, for comedies and for comedies that are actually funny, I think it is. It improves the experience to have other people around. I I forget if I've told my story about going to see the Paul Blart sequel in theaters. <laughs> No, but please, okay. please do tell that story. So it went with a friend, and when we went, you're, um, you're talking about uh, Paul Blart Two Mall. There's a what's the weird Paul, subtitle? Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Okay, yeah. I Which, feel like it should have a, a colon. The There's no colon cheesy something. tagline. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Okay. <laughs> right, that's what I'm looking Anyways, for. Don't go see it. It's bad, or <laughs> don't watch it. Um, but I had gone because it was cruising at zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? For a while. Okay. And so literally nobody liked it. Yeah, I'm fascinated. It, no, it eventually someone gave it a positive review. I want to read that review. It up like a few percentage I, I really want to read what that person has to say. Uh, yeah, it's probably some hack from like USA Today or something. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyways. Um, probably Armand Wade. Go to the theater. It's mostly empty because um, I, I don't think like New York is the target city for this movie. Nope. Uh, I that, believe that one does play in Peoria. Yeah. Right. I, I believe it was opening weekend. Theater was still like it's empty on opening weekend. Mostly empty. Okay. Like, aside from this uh, dad, who's probably like it was like a birthday or like a something, right. and he had a group of like ten year olds there. <laughs> and all right, whenever something would happen on screen, they would laugh hysterically, and it was good for <laughs> myself and the person that we went with. Normally that'd be super annoying. <laughs> yes, but in this scenario it was good because we were like, "Oh, that was a joke." <laughs> <laughs> so it's what laugh tracks are actually supposed to be doing. Yeah, right? it was yeah. like the in theater laugh track right. that like illuminated was, this movie. For you, us. It, you found the comedy. Yeah, right. Because most my understanding is that most of the jokes are Kevin James falling off of segways. Yeah, or like him falling, or like him trying to do something athletic, but he's like he can't. Unable he's heavy and he's like unable to do it. Okay, or like he'll try and hide behind things, but he's he's, he's a like a big guy. guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the one the one joke that I actually thought was funny in the film was he. Th- th- so it's, th- it's basically a commercial for the uh, Wind Casino in Las Vegas. Okay. They go to the Wind Casino. The, the all the events take place at the Wind Casino, and they prominently show like Wind. I, I thought it was a mall cop. Well, he goes to a mall cop a convention. He goes to like a, he goes to a security guard convention in Las Vegas. Okay, um, and then he, things happen, and he gets pulled into a, a plot, a okay, sure. plot. Right. Um, Complications arise. Yes. The one joke I thought was like funny in the film was 
he goes outside and there's this dude playing a piano and okay. it's like this sort of like nice like operatic piano okay. and he like you know nods the guy and the piano player like nods back at right. him and then there's a peacock that like lives outside the hotel and the peacock proceeds to attack kevin james and the piano player just like keeps playing <laughs> and like watching kevin james like being attacked by this bird peacocks are aggressive yeah yeah that was like the one thing that i actually laughed at okay <laughs> otherwise I'd kevin james keep... being attacked by a bird i i found it like very grim otherwise <laughs> grim yeah <laughs> not that's unfunny or boring the humor the quote-unquote humor or jokes are like kind of dark like his wife like the woman who played his wife like didn't want to do the sequel clearly so they okay. have in the plot of the movie he she leaves him okay at the beginning of the film okay so and, we, okay and his like mother dies or something and he's like a terrible father and it's all this like stuff about him trying to protect his teenage daughter it's, that, that sounds that does sound grim you're right it's it's dark yeah wow okay does he get her back at the end? Uh, the wife? Yeah. No, but he like he finds some meets other girl? somebody okay. in the film, I think. I don't even remember. <laughs> but he probably meets somebody. <laughs> okay. If he doesn't meet somebody, I'd be shocked. Okay. Because like, it's like that hacky of a movie. movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was at a zoo once and they had a peacock walking around and this like young child was trying to interact with it and ended up being frightened and running away and falling over. Yeah. So I, I actually <laughs> lived the thing that you found so amusing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, peacocks are scary. Um, so moral of the story, Paul Barbara Cow 2 is not good. Yeah, it earned its okay. zero or two. No, it's like a few percentage points, unfortunately. Okay. But <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. It might mislead someone into watching well, the, it. Well, the 0% is like a rare <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, you the, know, only harder, the only harder rating is 100%. Is and that harder? I think it's harder to get 100 than a zero, like zero. But it's still that, zero is really hard. You get hard. the prisoner's dilemma of someone wanting to give it a positive review just to get clicks. Right. Because that would work. I think if I see someone, if I see, you know, 100 uh, negative reviews on one good one, like, I'm going to read the yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what happened with yeah. Paul, Paul Blart Malkov, too, because someone was like, this writing at zero, let's, yeah, right. let's get the I clicks. don't blame him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Uh, but yeah, it's a rare occurrence. But uh, Sandler has done it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A few times. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that freaking Western that he did for Netflix, right? It, uh, everybody hated. Also, the Bucky Larson movie, yeah, which uh, Sandler produced, starring uh, Nick Swartzman. It's about uh, a guy whose both of his parents were porn stars, and he's just like some schlub. <laughs> okay. I know okay. you saw it. It's like it stars Kevin Nealon and Nick Swartzman. I never even heard of that. Yeah, yeah it's a zero percent. It's a zero percent. That's why you never heard. Have of you it. seen it? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. You saw. Anyways, this is a good comedy, and you should see Sparkle's Tab. Well, you should see it with people, which is how we got to this point. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm I'm glad we had that that moment. Um, But I I don't know exactly why it is that humor gets funnier in groups, because it does. And, like, this is something that is documented. Um, But my theory, or my amateur opinion theory on this is that you know humor is kind of about your tribe right like mm-hmm. it's about like what does everybody agree on here and everybody agree is sad and like you express that in a way that's very noticeable to everybody around you right and i think that that is part of it like that the the tribalism and community of that the comedy is based on and premised on um and that being in the theater with others is just like a very immediate example of that yeah. right yeah i think 
that things can definitely like get funnier like within subcultures right um which is part of the reason like the internet's also a hellhole but is is funny You're right right and, <laughs> like there's the joke about the like very online person right now which <laughs> is like the the sort of like twitter person that's just like on twitter all day and like, yeah you get into all these like sub like you know way more about very specific things yeah but once you understand that then that thing is like really funny and mm -hmm. well and, and yeah. it's like you because the value in it is is also yeah you get jokes right and like people like jokes but it's also yeah. you get jokes that other people don't get right yeah so when you say things about you know the amp going to 11 that marks you as part of this in group and it marks people that apparently exist i didn't realize these people that actually do <laughs> exist that don't get that joke as the out group yeah right? like and the movie's funnier if you understand the music references right yeah even at too. like a very surface level yeah. is a lot funnier if you get like the concert references and yeah the, the sort of metal references yeah, yeah. well and, and not just the metal references but the rock documentary references right like yeah. there's like the the genre of documentary following a rock band on the road is a thing and like there are examples of this all over and this tracks with those beats in, in pretty specific ways. Um, so even that, like, there's a way into this movie and a way to say, like, this is something that I understand that other people aren't going to understand. And therefore, you know, I'm going to express that understanding by laughing. And other people are around me when I laugh. And they're going to know that I understand it and am like them. And we're all together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like humor is based on knowing something that other people don't. But maybe it's more subconscious than, like... You know, what I'm thinking about. I mean, I, I don't want it to sound like that insidious, right? Like, it's not, I don't want to say like humor is about exclusion. Yeah. But it, we, we've, I think humor it's culture. more that like a lot of the jokes are self referential. Yeah. And like the stuff that's like self referential like tends to be like funnier. Yeah. I think you look at memes a lot, Charles. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the, the memes that are really funny are the ones that are like referencing another one. And yeah. if you were just an outsider coming into the late it, one, it's, it's total nonsense. Yep. And, right. Uh, I describe, um, there's a lot of, like, Adult Swim shows yeah. like this, too. Uh, like, uh, C-Lab 2020, I think, is yeah. one of the early ones that did this really well, where it was, like, the first three episodes are just complete nonsense. Mm. And then, once you get it, it, then the show is, like, hysterical. Right. And, but, but if you don't get it, the show is just, like, it, it has comes. some funny moments, yeah. but is otherwise, like completely absurd yeah i, I guess that aspect of it like, is kind of rewarding your preparation in a yeah. way because you spent yeah. a lot of time uh like getting into the subculture of say hair metal for right. this one you earn the joke of memes or whatever yeah you earn it um and that makes it more rewarding and thus more funny yeah yeah no i think that that's true that, that that's exactly right and then like you get to find other it, it's not so much excluding others but finding people like you yeah Right. Okay. So like you're you're able to come into the theater and everybody's laughing and like you are all having a, a universal experience because you have this similar background, right? Yeah. Like you understand hair metal, you understand rock documentaries, you understand British humor, you understand internet memes. Like you get to bring all this stuff and just like express that understanding in a moment and have other people with you saying, Yes, I'm like you and I also agree that this is valuable and we should be laughing at it and this is this is great. Yeah, right. I, I agree. I think most things I, I mean, subcultures like can can end up being bad, but like yeah. they're, they're also like, yes. um, you know, they're they're just like a different way of like getting into things. And once you're like into it, it's like much more enjoyable. Like you can create a community around things. Yeah, I mean, you can I create think, like 
nerd culture like very much like thrives on this, right? Where like, yes, if, if you play Magic the Gathering, for instance, like it is complete nonsense to anybody that doesn't play. But those that do play, it's like very easy to talk about it. And like once you know mm-hmm. all the facets, then it, there are things that are funny about it and right, kind of like endearing about the people who do play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's I mean, we're sitting here having a. a podcast episode 45 or whatever it is about movies right and like if you are into movies in a way that is going beyond just going to the theater now and then like that that is a different culture that is that is a subculture that is you know you have grounds to communicate with other people that is Mm -hmm. you know in place as soon as you meet them and you know same kind of thing yeah i I think where it goes wrong is like where you describe like too much importance to it in your life and that's when like when it's kind of like when it becomes your identity, when the things you consume are about you as a person. Yeah, where like you, like the value that you describe to yourself is like yeah. in, entwined with like the thing. Right. So yeah. so then when someone attacks the thing, they are attacking. They're attacking you, you. and then you respond very negatively. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's how you end up with you know anime Nazis and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, we, I don't think that uh, Spinal Tap has gotten to that point yet. I don't think so, but like, it definitely is a cult movie. Like, yeah, well, it, right. It's a cult movie, but in a way that doesn't inspire. I mean, it, it, it's a comedy. Right, right. and like all yeah. cult movies like didn't do very well when it was released. Right. Like, it did fine. Right. Uh, it wasn't like a bomb. But then it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now it's it's huge. It's like one of the touchstone like comedy films. It's a 30-year-old mm-hmm. movie that had multiple screenings this weekend. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, right. Like that's yeah. that's something. And for being funny, not because it was like bad or like a this weird is... counterculture thing. Right. This is yeah. not the room. It's not the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are laughing with this movie. Right. Yeah. It's genuinely good. We're not laughing at the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Charles, any uh, closing thoughts on Spinal Tap? Is um, you said you liked it. Yeah, Thumbs not up? much more than I've already said. I guess it's okay. Great. You recommend it? Do you, yeah. do you recommend to go for people to go see it next year on eleven eleven? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, if you get a chance to see it live, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. For I'd, all the reasons that we've already said. Right. It's it, it been a few years for me since I've seen this movie. I Same. Think, I think I'd really only seen it once or twice before this, um, so it felt pretty fresh to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of jokes that I didn't remember, or like I didn't remember them until like they started, and I was like, oh yeah, this is the love pump joke. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was cool in that way. Yeah, it still landed for me. Yeah. Like. It's it's hysterical. Yeah, it, it feels like one of those movies that's just that's funny every time, and like you'll find new jokes in it every time. Um, like I didn't notice until on previous my previous viewing, but the um, when they're talking to the Fran Drescher character for some reason or another about the album art, and they do like close ups on each of them, and they each have giant cold sores. <laughs> Yeah, they have oral herpes. Never mention it. Like it's just there for a little while, and then that's it. And that it's on the next that scene. might be the in the theater. Like it, that might because I hadn't seen that until oh, now okay. either. And, and I think like seeing it live actually like no, made, made that joke really land. Yeah, that's yeah. probably they zoomed true. in pretty close to their face. They made, they made <laughs> yeah. it pretty obvious. I right. still don't like remember. I ha- uh-huh. remember that joke from prior. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. I mean, it had been a while, so I might have just forgotten it. But yeah, you're right. That's a good point. That the theater might have made it bigger and and more noticeable. But yeah, it holds. It holds up really. The well. other thing that I noticed is like uh, like when they're at the community fair. Mm-hmm. In prior screenings, I, I didn't understand that like the people in the crowd were Spinal Tap 
fans and were like disappointed by it. Oh, I, I missed that too. Okay. That's yeah, because there was a guy like doing the, the, yeah, doing the thumbs, thumbs down, down yeah. and it was like, oh, this is someone who was a fan that had come to like see his final. And they're tap. trying to play okay. like experimental jazz metal. Or the something. jazz odyssey. Yeah, yeah, the jazz odyssey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the my favorite joke there is uh, when the lead singer gets up there and is like, this is a jazz odyssey, and they get like partway through it and everybody's booing and giving thumbs down. It's like Derek Smalls on bass. He wrote this. The bassist does a lot of really good cutaway. Yeah, jokes. he has yeah. actually uh, when they're oh, which we didn't speak to the Spinal Tap. They're just like totally hacks. Yeah, because uh, like in the fifties, they're doing like fifties soft yeah. rock. Yeah, and then the sixties, yeah. they they like jump on the <laughs> the Beatles, the Beatles Indian like, influence thing. Yeah, the, yeah. And, and then in the 80s, they're Another just like a metal band. So they're yeah. just like total, like, just follow whatever is popular right. at the moment. Right. Um, that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but he has the uh, the lukewarm water line. Yeah, that was great. Which is hilarious. Where he's which talking, one? Where he's talking about how yeah. the guitarist and the lead singer are like... Fire and ice. Yeah. like fire and ice. And it's my role to like be in between them. So I'm like lukewarm water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and when they're doing the like... the kaleidoscope music video which is like yeah. a beatles song yeah they they they're doing the song normal and then they cut to him and he mouths he mouths like i love you at the camera <laughs> yes uh <laughs> like very exaggerated <laughs> yes and it's in kaleidoscope so you see his face yeah, in like over. multiple facets of the kaleidoscope they got the yeah. sitar gone so yeah it's so beatles yeah yeah very very uh sergeant pepper this reminds yeah. me uh of uh what i think was a subtle joke yeah. um but when they're introducing the band mm -hmm. and they have their names in their roles um, there's two lead guitarists, okay. and there's no rhythm guitarist. That's pretty good. That, that probably is. That's definitely on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody laughed during that, so I thought I might have been. You're allowed to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I chuckled a bit. Yeah. That means you're smarter than everyone yeah. else when yeah, you're the only I'm one that laughs. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. You don't. Yeah. The um, other things I like, which are small details, where they their name is said incorrectly a number of times. Yes. Uh, spinal. Spinal pap. <laughs> spinal spinal the driver spinal has a spinal pap. Side. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was pretty good. Spinal tarp. Yeah. Spinal. Fred Willard says spinal tarp. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But he's meant to be like so unhip. Right. Well, yeah. and I love that he like makes his pitch about like, oh, we're really big fans of your music and your albums. Well, we mean like music in general. Yeah. yeah. You guys. Yeah, like, he's he, just talking about his how his hair is getting too long. Right. And it's like pretty neatly cut. Right. It's yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. That guy was great. Um, Fred then, Willard's hysterical. So. Yeah. Just, yeah. He's, he's a safe bet. Yeah. Um, in any case, I, yeah, I think this is a, a thumbs up from, yep. from everyone. See it in theaters if you can. Uh, this was a, a universal pick, so it would have been Crossman's pick last week, um, but we, we, we usurped it, so you get to pick this week. What do we, what do we got on back end? Yeah, I'm going to continue on the comedy train and awesome. um, want to do Clueless next time. Oh, great. Yeah. This is such a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have picked this eventually if you hadn't, but uh, yeah, yeah, Clueless is... I think it's 95. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. it is a very 90s movie, so right, right in the middle sounds... One of the most 90s. <laughs> sounds right to me. Like <laughs> yeah, this is uh, a very good movie, which I, I think it has one of the best uh, comedy characters of all time. It is outright. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we apologize for last week's episode being late, um, an unavoidable delay, but thank Hopefully you for Hopefully this patient. one's on time. This one will be <laughs> right on time. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, join us next week for Clueless.